and welcome. This is Mish Hancock. You are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. My guest today is Mary Lou Canode. She is the executive director of Laumeyer. Over the past three decades, she has played a senior leadership role in numerous organizations as they evolve to meet community need for engaging and challenging cultural experiences. Welcome, Mary Lou. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So, so tell, so tell us about all your cool stuff. Tell us all your amazing, fabulous, fantastic things that you do in your world. <laughs> um, well, boy, that's a really good question because I, I think a lot of people believe that arts administrators really have this really very dynamic life, and really we kind of <laughs> sit in our offices much of the time. When I worked as a curator, I traveled a lot, though. That was really what has sort of shaped my understanding and belief in the value of a place like Laumeier Sculpture Park, because it's a public space. We don't have a lot of public spaces in America anymore. Right. And Laumeier is a really very great public institution. So um, I have to say that I have a little cobbled together this very funny background um, that makes me so passionate about what we do at Laumeier. And where where have you traveled? I mean, you're very well-traveled. When I was looking, I was like, oh my gosh, she's been to the most amazing places. Well, I I always say, Mitch, just because I grew up in Canada. And when you grow up in Canada, you always are looking to the world because the world does not come to you. Ah. And so our educational associations were more European, the rest of the world. I really very firmly remember my... Um, paper on the Appian Way in sixth grade, but I really don't know that much about American history. So I feel like in some ways, a lot of the things I've been learning, um, training myself to learn, it's really how can we as an arts organization at Laumeier tell something new or get into the history of St. Louis in particular, but also what does America mean? What are the myths that Americans hold about themselves? Ooh. And so I'm a real book nerd, and I'm really proud of it. Um, but I think that it's that's one of the really great things that we can do for our community, to really engage people with the things that they love. So I would love to know some of the myths we hold about ourselves. I, I have a great Canada story. I was in Canada, and you know how the museums have their different exhibit, their traveling exhibits? Mm-hmm. Well, the one that they had when I was there I thought was hilarious, and it was Americans and their obsessions with their lawns. <laughs> and I'm like, we are obsessed with it. We're like crazy obsessed. We, we spray chemicals on mm-hmm. them. We have the landscapers come on. People are wacky about it. I personally am not. I look at weeds and think they're fabulous. I don't see a reason to move them. And I'm like, good, hardy, resilient weeds, go. But what are some of the myths that you have seen with us wacky American types? <laughs> well, you know, it's so interesting. I would say that so much of this language was has been really crystallized for me in St. Louis. And I love history, it turns out. I didn't realize that was part of my thing. Um, but this idea of manifest destiny being a positive thing for everybody. So if you read an historian like Patty Limerick, who's mm-hmm. in Colorado, she writes about the, this myth that all the immigrants who have come to this country were really um, doing it because they wanted to, not because they had to flee their countries. Right. That when they got to this country, it was a positive experience for their ancestors. And that's generally not true. Um, and certainly in, in the mess of Manifest Destiny, it's assumption that America was empty uh-huh. and that we were populating it because God told us to. Well, it wasn't empty. 
Um, they think that there were 20 to 25 million Native Americans who lived here when Columbus arrived. Yep. But in fact, they've revised that. Actually, Thomas Mann in his book 1491 says that we th- they think 95% of America's population had already been decimated by the time that Columbus got here. So there are these ideas, these myths that America was this big open space, free to be populated, is probably not true. You the, think Hollywood may have had something to do with that? Oh, I think it way. I think it way predates <laughs> oh, Hollywood. Really? Oh, yeah, really? I think it way predates Hollywood. Um, but but I think Hollywood reinforced certain myths. There's no gotcha. doubt about that. That's a, those are the images that they really reinforced. So for me, St. Louis represents so much of this crystallization of this push between east and west and north and south because we've got the mounds of Cahokia, largest city a thousand years ago, largest city outside of Mexico City a thousand years ago, and then the Gateway Arch, which is a celebratory thing, um, but it's also like a tombstone over the culture of the Mississippian culture. What an interesting thought. So for me, St. Louis is this really rich, it's like Wild West sort of populates this. We're a little bit east, we're a little bit west, a little bit north, a little bit south. And we really are the nexus of so many of these conflicts. Um, And I think particularly with what happened in Ferguson, we're now an international representative of these conflicts. Mm -hmm. And that's our opportunity to figure out, well, gosh, okay, so we're known now internationally. We could never have bought that much ads through the CDC. No, yeah. So what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this opportunity that's been placed in our lap? I love it. I love it. And it's, it's really true. I mean, you know, it was, it's very negative, but at the same time, it's like when something that negative happens, you've got to turn that into that positive. That's the wake up call, right? Something's amiss, obviously. And, and it was, when that was all going on, I just remembered thinking, you know, people were very, you know, it was very divisive. People were like, this is my side. That's your side. And I kept saying, how can you possibly have a side? This goes so much deeper than what everybody thinks. This, this has been building and nobody was paying attention. And then the universe has a fabulous way of going, I'm going to make y'all aware of what's going on here. And now what can you do with it? So it is, um, and St. Louis is really in an interesting place right now. It is, and and I think this is why there's the air is a little bit electric in St. Louis, and I've lived in a lot of different places, New York, L.A., Milwaukee, Phoenix. I've lived in a lot of different places, and each place has something fantastic about it that's unique, but every city in America has the same bad things about it. Right. And this is a 400-year history that we've kind of ignored, and we've dealt with it sporadically. There have been eruptions, the Civil War, the Civil Rights Act. It's now our generation's, everybody, no matter what your age is, it's this generation's opportunity to really craft something that's better as we move forward. And you talked about, um, you know, at, the, at, at Laumeier, the, the the art that is there and that and how are you marrying that art with St. Louis history? Well, I arrived in 2009, you know, when the economy had collapsed. And so there were a lot of things that we sort of needed to deal with. But I just did a lot of research into Laumeier's history. And Laumeier has always dealt with space, with place. Our, our legacy leadership role in the arts has been commissioning site-specific artwork. Now, this is something that's very common today. Every museum can kind of claim we gave an artist some money, they made some new work, we installed it, boom, that's site-specific because we paid for it. Right. But Laumeier, literally, artworks are, are melded to the landscape. So landscape is the underpinning for the best work that we do. Um, and really looking at how humans shape landscape. 
So there's a really very important sort of mutual impact landscape and humans have on, on each other. Mm-hmm. So after my, my doing sort of discovery when I got here, I, I sort of targeted that we did five years worth of exhibitions under the rubric Archaeology of Place. What are some of the things that are fundamental about our experience? We're in the county. What does that mean to be in the county? Um, dogs are like 21% of our audience comes with dogs. Well, why dogs? Why not meerkats? Why do dogs live with us? <laughs> right. You know, um, cats have a very different kind of life inside with us. <laughs> um, we did a show about our relationship uh, up and down the Mississippi River to New Orleans because that is our history. That's our modern history. And then, of course, you know, we did a show called Mound City, which was the last of these shows. You know, Mound City, what does that mean? I had never heard that phrase until I started Googling Laumeier. And I realized, wow, what great metaphors can come out of that investigation? What are some modern metaphors that we have in St. Louis? So we did all these projects looking at things that are um, that everybody can relate to one way or another. Why do we have lawns? Getting back to your lawn, Omar. <laughs> Why do we have lawns? Guess what? Lawns in, in the suburbs are really moats to keep us away from our neighbors. Ah. They're not to join our community. It's to separate us from one another. Interesting thought. You, you know, so, so through those shows, we commissioned new works, but we also asked questions. Like, this is what I love about contemporary artists. They don't, they don't tell you what to think. They just get you to think. Right. They right. ask questions. I love it. Oh my gosh, fascinating. We are going to take a quick break and we will be back with Mary Lou. Hi, this is Mish Hancock and I'm the owner of 100th Monkey Media. 100th Monkey Media specializes in affordable and very effective social media solutions for the small to medium-sized business. Our goal is to create a social media presence that shows off who you are, what you do, and delivers brand loyalty and raving fans. Contact us today to learn what 100th Monkey Media can do for you. 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or 100thmm.com. And we are back with Mary Lou Canode. So you are going to be one of our TEDx Gateway Arch speakers for Bounce on December 10th. Tell us what your topic is about. Well, I'm going to be talking about how artists can help us understand the world that we live in through public art, through objects in public space. And I have to say, I, I talk about Lamar all the time. Um, I love the structure of TEDx Talks because it's really about, so what? For a yeah. bigger audience, so what? What does that mean? And, and how can I prove the fact that artists can shape the landscape that we live in? So I don't know if the people at Cahokia would have said they were artists, but they shaped these incredible monuments in our landscape. What are monuments? How do artists think about monuments today? Um, but, but for the last, I would say, even 40, 50 years, it's really the issue of anti-monument. You know, most monuments that we see in the world around us are from the top down. Right. Politicians, warriors, generals, this is what we see in the landscape. A guy on a horse... And there's a real nomenclature around guys on horses, right? So if the horse is rearing up or it has one leg up or the other leg up, it means they died in battle. They were victorious. They No, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So our, so our, our of, of St. Louis, of, the, of, of Lewis, that one right in front of the mm-hmm. art museum, mm-hmm. what is that horse doing? I don't even know. Do you know? I, I didn't take that art history class to tell you the truth about that kind of classical art history. But what I do know is the fact that St. Louis, you know, again, here's this incredible statue about 
a king living in France in the 9th, 10th century. And what was his legacy in France? Well, he did the Crusades. Mm -hmm. And so he was engaging in this sort of war of religions in the Middle East. And we don't pay attention to that. St. Louis Art Museum did a show about the legacy of Louis in St. Louis. It was really a great little project. So, you know, so many art historians know what Louis did in terms of Saint-Chapelle, but what did he really represent in terms of the culture of France? So there's so many... Um, actually, Laumeier published a book in 2008, no, 1998, excuse me, uh, St. Louis' Sculpt- Sculpture City. So Laumeier already just said, well, we're going to call it Sculpture City. We're claiming it. Nobody's going to stop us. All right. So we have, <laughs> but we have long lived uh, and expressed our aspirations through the sculpture in our community. And so what I'm saying is, well, contemporary artists are expressing our aspirations. Or whose aspirations? Who are artists speaking for? Who are artists asking us to think about? Right. So our Archaeology of Place series, um, we did a project with an artist named Juan William Chavez, and he's been putting beehives on the former site of Pruitt-Igo. Oh. And so here we have this really subtle metaphor, but maybe not even such a metaphor, uh, bee colony collapse human colony collapse. So St. Louis has these succession cultures that exist simultaneously in our landscape. Interesting. We have Cahokia Mounds, the Mississippian culture. We have the French colonial culture. We have um, the white American culture, the British culture. And then the things that have happened in North St. Louis with the the collapse of a certain generation of culture. So St. Louis, again, this is where St. Louis is such a fascinating place. There are these cultures that exist simultaneously. And how do we how do we change the way we think about what urban environments mean? Right. How do we think about it? This is our chance. What are we going to do for it? Oh my gosh! I so just want to drive around the city with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just. We should do a moving podcast <laughs> with you, just telling us what the heck is going on around us here. Well, and this is what I love about St. Louis too. So Will Allen and his group does walking tours of the city. Um, I was just reading. There's a group of younger artists who do these sort of walking tours, and I suspect they're kind of non-traditional. I mean, it's really interesting to think about who built the buildings. I don't, I've never been on one of their tours, but there's so many people who are very fascinated by our city. You know, St. Louis destroyed a lot of its patrimony. All the things that they tore down at the riverfront mm-hmm. to put up the arch, wow, how heartbreaking is it that we've lost so much. We've lost the original modern homes for our own community. I don't think I ever thought about that. That is really interesting. Yeah, there's a map at Mohis that when you walk in and you look at it, you just think, wow, we destroyed 100 blocks with the buildings. We were kind of dopes, but that was what people thought was the right thing to do at right. that time. So how do you think about the past? If you don't understand your past, you don't, you're not going to figure out your future. Exactly. And with and so tell us tell me about I mean do you have some favorite artists that we should know about Are you an artist No thank God no 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 that would be awful oh, awful But but I I spend my entire career it's been about supporting artists and trying to mediate between the general public and the artists themselves You know there are a lot of artists who are brilliant um, but you can only tell people like three things about that artist, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not going to, you know, each of us has their own, our own cosmology. Right. What can you really spend telling people? What time can you spend telling people? This is what I love about the TEDx discipline. Wow. You got to make it crisp and clean to get the messages across in the hopes you're going to trigger people's curiosity about something. 
Right. So I I love a lot of art. Um, obviously, the artists that we work with at Lama are the ones that I'm thinking about really right now. Um, I don't travel as much as I used to simply because my job is quite different than it used to be. But, you know, St. Louis has a really growing and vibrant arts community where so many of these artists are interested in going into the community. Um, the Regional Arts Commission runs the Community Arts Training Program, CAP Program. Okay. And that's a really great way for artists to really be engaged with people who think creatively about how they solve their own local problems. So St. Louis is really a hotbed for this kind of discovery. Um, lots of opportunities. I think the fact that, you know, the coast think, oh, flyover country, it's so condescending. It is. Um, We're not flyover. We are not. And I think that that's one of the really big ways in which St. Louis can really prove something very different to our national community. St. Louis has these incredible riches. How are we going to actually make those things visible and available to other people? Well, and so much of it is very available to people. I mean, you know, we. I think that... I like that part about St. Louis, that we make it so easy and accessible for people to get to, to learn about art and to see, you know, the treasures that we have to offer here. So, But St. Louisans are spoiled, I will tell you. We are. So spoiled. Everything is free and they expect everything to be for free. You know, those days are kind of changing. The economy is changing. Um, And and I I think this is why travel... Anywhere, anytime, no matter where you live, travel is critical because then you can really understand, I can't believe the rich qualities and the rich arts things that are available here. But if you travel to New York, you'll really understand, gosh, you would pay a lot. Oh, yeah. To go to Just for parking. Absolutely. (laughs) Even here, we're spoiled by parking. We're like, what? I have to pay five dollars to park here yeah 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 (laughs) it is true well we will take another quick break we will be back with mary lou in just a moment this is mickey hancock now's a good time to get a snack my mom's going to do another commercial if you're looking for an agency to help you with creating and publishing engaging content launching campaigns or reputation management 100th monkey media is the social media agency for you make your business successful with its social media and get a real return from your investment 100th monkey media is far more affordable than you may think and we make it easy and impactful learn how 100th monkey media can help you on facebook twitter linkedin pinterest and more contact us at 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com that's 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. And we are back with Mary Lou. Okay, it's question time. My first question for you. All right, at Laumeyer, mm-hmm. is there a, you know, you see these groups of people that come through and what have you. Is there a particular group that you really feel need a field trip there? They could totally use a field trip. Oh boy, what an interesting question. You know, one of the things we do research in is the green effect. The impact having access to green space has on your emotional state, your physical state, because it's mind and body stimulation at the same time. But green, because we live, you know, historically we have all lived in green for 200,000 years. Um, It has a calming effect. And so um, this is one of the things that we say to a lot of our donors, but also um, teachers in different schools that don't have maybe a nice big yard or lots of sports. This is a space that really is very good for your kids. 
Right. And it's it's not you're in a big box on the hill. Again, you're in a green space. It's a protected space. Kids can kind of run and scream and yell. So I would say that that's a service group that, you know, we really work very hard to get into the park. You know, there have been so many budget cuts for schools, underserved schools, um, and particularly field trips. And so we spent a lot of time trying to argue on behalf of kids coming to Laumeier um, oh, on the yeah. bus. So, you know, and there's no bus service out to Laumeier anymore when the county or when Metro you know, cut bus service. So it's really hard for people to get out to us. We're not that far. Right. People act like we're so far. Again, that's part of the St. Louis spoil thing. We're 20 yeah. minutes from the arch. Not that's that good hard. to know because it's true. People think that. I mean, I, cause mm-hmm. I live actually out in Hillsboro, which mm-hmm. means I live in a whole other world, you know, and, and it's an, it's about 50 minutes to an hour for me to get into St. Louis. So for me, I'm like, 20 minutes, that is nothing, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I lived in L.A. for, you know, almost oh, 10 years. Yeah. So anything 20 minutes, that's just going grocery shopping. That's yeah. not even doing anything extraordinary. And that's when there's no traffic. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. Right, there's right. so much traffic in L.A., it's crazy. It's just awful, yeah. Well, thank you. I have another one. If you could associate any kind of a scent... With Laumeyer, what would it be? I personally love the smell of freshly mown grass and basil. So we've been restoring our gardens through an artist project for one of our Archaeology of Place shows. So um, an artist named Kim Yasuda wanted to really start this idea of food creates community. So every year we plant food. Um, this year the chipmunks did a lot of da- chipmunks did a lot of damage. Oh um, gosh! But we've been giving out. You know we give out basil and squash and all kinds of vegetables when really? things happen. Yeah. So I you know, and we've also been working with cacao. Brian has been doing every year. Um, a Laumeier chocolate. And so one year he oh, did fun. toasted quinoa. What flavor was that? He did a lavender one. So, you know, in the fall he'll do one. So, you know, he's really trying to distill the essence of the park as well. So, you know, we really try every year to try to match the emotional experience, that kinesthetic experience that people have at the park with a chocolate. I mean, who doesn't like chocolate? Oh, I don't know. I, I worry about people that don't like chocolate. <laughs> I wonder. I'm like, there's something amiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. probably some psychological story, you know, thing that we need to know about people that don't like chocolate. Yeah. But that is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So we really try to, you know, have people understand that, you know, Laumeier is a cultural landscape. We're not a park. We're not a museum. We're this really interesting hybrid. And so food creates community. So we're doing Harvest Festival coming up very soon. Um, and that's, uh, you know, a sauce partnership. Um, we do all kinds of training, well, just nice classes with the master gardener, Yvette, who works on the park. She's doing things about how do you dry food. I mean, anybody can take, you know, basil and put in a jar, but it'll just go moldy. How sure. do you do it the right way? Oh, how interesting. So we're really mindful of the fact people use us for a very broad range of reasons. They have a dog. So we did a show, Dog Days of Summer and looked at really what dogs mean to us in our lives. Um, You know, we did a show, Camp Out, Finding Home in an Unstable World. You know, there's lack of affordable housing. When you think about the migration movement right now, the refugee movement around the world, this is a huge question for a lot of people. So we're really using our platform to ask questions. What would it mean for us if we didn't have a home? How horrible would that be? Right. So anyway, the scent, I I love the smell of grass. Maybe it's from all the years that I spent mowing our lawn at home, but anyway... (laughs) (laughs) But I like that. I think that that perfectly sums up Mm -hmm. that area, Mm -hmm. you know. 
Okay, I have I have a thought for you to finish. A world without art is a world without meaning. I like it. It is. Art does bring meaning to us. Mm-hmm. It teaches us so much. Mm-hmm. And at the same time calls us to have our own perspectives and opinions and thoughts. And it truly is amazing art. Mm-hmm. It truly is. Do you collect art or do you have pieces of art that are your favorites? Or You know, I sure do collect art, but it's, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not a collector. I'm, I love things in my house. So, Sometimes I'll buy artwork for $100 at a small gallery downtown. I'll buy something. Um, There are a lot of things, a lot of uh, ways you can collect art online, like large-scale multiples, 20 by 200, to like collect.give. I have bought some things in St. Louis, but every every place I've lived in, um, the thing that I bought most recently was an artist named Michelle Grabner, very now very famous artist from Chicago, but she co-curated the Whitney Biennial, and but her I've had I bought a work of hers for ten dollars like fifteen years ago. Anyway, <laughs> there was a review in the New York Times about her work because she really looks at sort of what does what does domestic work look like in producing artwork. Now you know feminism was one of the most important drivers for the sixties and seventies art world, um, but the the reviewer in the New York Times called her a soccer mom. So she made a little soccer ball with little quilt patterns on each of one of the facets. It's an, it's a real regulation soccer ball. Interesting. So I bought a soccer ball designed by Michelle Grabner. Oh, cool. So, you know, I just like objects in the world. Um, uh, I bought a set of dominoes by David Shrigley at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago. Just small things that are just really funny and remind me of things that I really care about. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. I I bet your house is amazing. I bet it's so much fun to go in your house. You know, children probably are not safe in my house. That's (laughs) the one thing I would say. Some art can, you know, have sharp (laughs) edges. I get that. (laughs) Don't want anybody to get hurt in my house, yeah. (laughs) Walk carefully through the house. I had some friends stay with me, and they kept telling their daughter, now don't touch anything, don't touch anything. She saw the soccer ball. Her little foot just was drawn like a little magnet and just like, boop, you know, kind of kicked the ball. Kick she it. had to. Poor thing got in trouble. But anyway. Oh, how awesome. So I'm very much looking forward to your talk. Is there yeah. any last thoughts you want to leave us with? You know, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, so many people in St. Louis are open to the diverse kinds of conversations that are being had. I think I think the fact that people aren't shying away from what's happened with Ferguson mm-hmm. is really, really important. I think that, you know, the, the TEDx Gateway Arch Talks allows that conversation to have a public forum beyond top-down, what the newspaper says, et cetera, what the politicians say. I think the fact that solutions come from the bottom up more often sometimes than top down and I think artists really are part of that conversation oh I love it thank you Mary Lou that was just wonderful thank Thank you you so much for being a guest today thanks for having me and you have been listening to Mishmash please make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes we'll see you next time